Welcome to the Bible Feed Podcast, a place of conversations about the Bible and faith in the modern world, where ordinary people come together to help each other understand the Bible better. Let's get started. It's uh, good to be back on another Bible Feed Podcast, and today I'm joined by uh, with John Davis. Good evening, Daniel. How are you? Very good, thank you. Uh, nice to nice to talk to you again, and uh, we've got a really good topic to talk about right now. Um, it's topic actually came out of a question that we had from a podcast listener so if that's any encouragement to any other listener to suggest topics ask questions etc then 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 go for it um, because we we like to hear from you and we like to like to discuss some of those things so the, the question that we had was why are there four gospels and uh, it's a you know it, it's a very basic question but actually quite quite profound, quite fundamental as well. Um, What we're going to do, we're going to tackle this by asking a slightly different question. So the the title of of, of this sort of conversation is, why are there differences between the Gospels? And because asking that question will will get us towards at least some of the way of working out why there are four Gospels in the first place. And I think if you start there, then you're going to run into the differences very quickly, aren't you? So so that's what we're going to tackle. And uh, John's here to help me. Uh, So let's get into it. Uh, And I think what we need to do first, John, is to just frame the the problem. If if it is indeed a problem, uh, you know, the differences, why is it? Why is it a question, the fact that why are there differences in the gospel? Why is that a question? So, um, and it is a good question. I think that that is, um, whoever asked it, it's a question I've said, I know you have as well, Dan. Um, and I think the, fir- the first question on a really simple level is, why do the various people who write a kind of history of Jesus, if you want to call it that, why do they record different things? Why don't they record the same thing? Um, uh, I'll give you a very simple example. Only one of the Gospels really tells us anything about Jesus's life as a child. Okay? Mm-hmm. So that 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 is, at the very least, as an interested person in history or Jesus or anything like that, that's a legitimate question to say, why does only one of them do that thing? you like that's the kind of very sort of high level problem or not problem question you'd be, be asking yeah. i think on a more critical and maybe foundational level there is the question behind this question is often if you have different records of the life of jesus that perhaps disagree um so take a, an example that's often suggested if the gospel writers don't know how many women there were at the tomb of jesus when he was said to have res- been resurrected can we trust them with other things like for example that jesus rose from the dead so you can move from something quite small and quite detailed which is about well there seems to be this slight difference of Mm. amount the amount of women at the tomb to going well if i can't trust them on that can i trust them at all i suppose and um i in prep for this i there's one um quote that i i think is a very uh it's very polarized opinion I, i think it's patently wrong but for example in in Christopher Hitchens's book, God is Not Great, he says, um, he describes the Gospels and he says they're multiple authors, so the people who wrote the Gospels, none of whom published anything until many decades after the crucifixion, cannot agree on anything of importance. And so if, for example, you don't have a working acquaintance with the Gospels per se and you read that, you'd go, he's got a good point, to be fair. If they can't agree, mm. I can't. It's like anything like a, anything in history. Oh, report X says this happened. A report Y says something completely different happened. Probably all wrong. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Can't be trusted. Who knows? Is that fair to me? Yeah. So it's a question of trust, isn't it? I suppose you've, you've yeah. used that that word already. Um, it's you know if there are wild discrepancies between these four written accounts that claim to be recording 
the fact the things that uh, happened to this man Jesus yeah. if there are these wild differences then then ha- can we trust any of them um you know maybe one of them's got it right but who would how would we know that I suppose so that's that's the uh precisely state yeah, isn't it um yeah so exactly. yeah and and whether or not that's a, a good uh, whether or not that's a valid way of looking at it um it, it's a, probably a popular way of looking at it isn't it yeah yeah and, and I, this book you know the quote that you just yeah, and I think I think we'll go into in a minute, perhaps the kind of the nature of all the differences and so on. But I do personally think that it is a valid question to ask because at the heart of the Christian faith is this man called Jesus, and uh, Christians, as Christians, we believe that he is incredibly special, that he was the Son of God, that he rose from the dead. A lot of that information we get comes from the Gospels. Not all of it by any stretch. And of course, there are other documents, but that's really the main source material for this. So I think that is a legitimate question for people to ask. Why are they a bit different? That seems a bit odd. Yeah. So I I think it is a fair question to ask us. Yeah. Yeah. And then that will lead into, you know, well, why are there four in the first place? Why isn't there one? Or why isn't there indeed ten? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so let's... uh, that, that sort of set the, the case let's just think about in terms of scale you know what what are we what are we dealing with um uh, what are we dealing with first of all in terms of these gospels we've already said that there's four of them um, and then what, what sort of uh, what's your general gut feel as to how many you know differences type of differences there are really between them yeah that's that's a good question so i think in terms of I guess this the sense to give a size and sense of scale kind of um, initially. Yeah. Let's take something like the length of the books as a as a good okay, yeah. to see whether they're similar or different. So in terms of words, uh, the first gospel that was probably written was written and it's under the name of Mark and that's got about 11,000 words in the original Greek text that it was probably originally penned in. So 11,000 is one. Then the 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 largest of the gospels is Luke and that has just over 19,000 words. So that's, it's almost, it's not double, it's about 80% bigger. Yeah. And then you've got Matthew 18,000 and John at 16,000. So I think they are different. <laughs> and before you even even get into the material, you've worked out that they're quite differently sizable. I mean, they're not like 1,000 and 78,000, but they are qu- they are reasonably different in terms of size and, and we'll see in a second shape. So I guess to try and... Oh, go on, there you go. I was just going to say that the, the my immediate sort of sense there is that they're there or thereabouts let say, you know, they're, they're not, like you say, they're not wildly, uh, you know, one side of A4 and then another one, three, three tomes. They're kind of um, similar, similar sort of small, short summaries of the life of this person. You kind of think that they ought to be saying the same sort of thing. I think that's that's very fair. And I think it would be like comparing, say, biographies today of someone, a famous historical figure like, I don't know, Churchill or someone. You'd probably find that you might have a book on Churchill that's, 100,000 words and one that's 200,000 words is the same sort of tolerance level and you kind of expect on any biography of Churchill that they broadly narrate the same kind of things but maybe from different perspectives and actually I would suggest that's probably what you see with the Gospels but let's 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 dig into that. Okay that's good yeah. So in, your, your other question I think was how you how you scale the differences if you like. Yeah. I think that's actually quite hard to put kind of numerical value on but I suppose um, let's think about it like this. So um, we can think about the types of differences in a number of different ways. Firstly, might be where they start. So where does the gospel begin and where does the gospel end? And I think you broadly find that they all start and end in slightly different places. So that is a difference straight away. Um, The order that they place events in, in the main, is the same, but there are differences. And we'll see, I think we're going to think about an example of that later. Um, So that you might say, okay, I'm kind of broadly comfortable with that. But then there's uh, other examples where in where the same incident is recorded in the life of Jesus, different people are said to say the same thing. 
so in one incident a particular individual says that that thing and then in the other um record it's their mother who says that thing now on that level i think you've got different grades like starting and ending in a different place you'd be like okay but maybe modern biographies would do that i don't have so much of an issue with that order of events broadly being the same but slightly different you can kind of account for that but maybe when you've got different people saying the same things you'd be a bit like uh not really sure what's going on there. So I think there are loads of differences between the Gospels. And that has always been acknowledged since uh, the earliest sort of Christian period that there are these differences and they do exist. Exactly how many there are, I've got no idea. Uh, yeah. but, but there are plenty. And I guess that's a place to start. Yeah, it's it's un- unmistakable, I suppose, is, is, yes. is the summary. You, you yeah. can't read Matthew and then Mark and then Luke and then John without without maybe pausing, scratching your head and thinking, I think I read something like this before. And yeah, it's... Yeah. I think that's fair. And I think what you could also get to is you might read Matthew, Mark and Luke and get to a place where you're like, actually, they are really quite similar in many, many ways. They often narrate the same events almost verbatim. And then you get to John and you're like, oh, this is a bit different. Uh, so I think even if you like in your mind had resolve Matthew, Mark and Luke's differences, you would then get to John and think this is a little bit different again. Yeah. OK, so we'll see if we get a chance to talk about that specifically. Uh, let's so, so that's that sort of sketch the the scale of what we're sort of dealing with. Um, yeah. you, you've already said about the fact that there are sort of s- the same incidents recorded, but actually someone says something else. You know, someone says the uh, same thing, but different, different people say it in different Gospels, etc., which is a difference. But actually that's already highlighted the fact that there are there are similarities. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Events, yeah, which I think that's worth concentrating on first, I think, um, just try and get a sense of what what is the same between what what's you know let's think about that first that will then help us identify the differences um yeah so, yeah what's and i think that that is a very very important point and to that question that um quote i referenced from christopher hitchens earlier who extraordinarily bright, bright man but on this is just wrong um if you think about kind of the, the zoomed out view about the gospels actually he said that they don't agree on anything of importance I'll give you a few things on which that they all every single gospel says these things and I'll give you some examples so for example every single one of them calls him Jesus of Nazareth the Messiah the son of God the son of man rabbi king the prophet who came to save was sent by God had power came not to do his own will and predicted his own death every single gospel says that about Jesus okay and then on top of that there are other acquaintances of Jesus that every single gospel mention his mother and brothers his 12 disciples Mary Magdalene Pontius Pilate Joseph and Alexander. these and and some of those people are big characters like for example his disciples others are are not enormous characters in record like Joseph of Arimathea he only really appears once but they all mention him so those are like some examples that they have this consistency and I think the bigger picture for me which is is important is the broad narrative of Jesus life where he lived what he did what he taught is again recorded in all four so they all record the same kind of locations like Galilee and Capernaum and Jerusalem and they all say he was prefaced by a man called John the Baptist they all claim he was a miracle worker. They all have some core teaching that every single gospel agrees that he said. Um, he's then opposed by the Jewish and, and Roman rulers. He's led to Jerusalem. He's tried. He dies. And then he raises from the dead. That's in every single one of them. And many of those little details that I haven't even gone into are exactly the same. So when Hitchin says they agree on nothing of importance, that's a wild, wild overstatement. They agree on on the broad narrative of Jesus' life, his friends, acquaintances, even little place names that really we didn't know much about uh, if we didn't have the Gospels, mm. they have complete consistency on. So if you will, my argument would be the Gospels have broad similarity, but they are also very distinctive in the same way that, for example, if you did have biographies of someone like Churchill or some historical figure, 
I think you'd expect to see the same thing. If you were talking about Ch Churchill, you'd talk about his time in the war. Dorney Wood, you'd talk about uh, like his time as prime minister of the war. Like the core events of his life, they'd all mention, but they probably have different cuts at the way that they portrayed Churchill for whatever reason they were writing. Does that uh, make sense? Yeah, yeah, and different perspectives as well from diff different people's point of view who interacted yeah. with, with this person that they're, they're describing, I guess. Yeah. So, so I, you know, there's no reason why that shouldn't also be the case in the Gospels, I, I suppose. There's just one thing um, it opens up a bit of a rabbit hole, but um, one thing that we might want to just spend a minute on is the fact, okay, these there are broad similarities between these Gospels, but uh, could it not be that they're all basically have been copying each other? Um, you know, Mark being the first and then the others sort of copying them. Is that a problem. I mean, we're getting into a, you know a, a big area of scholarship, which has been going for hundreds of years, effectively, haven't we? Um, yeah. Which I'm, I'm so, not claiming so, to resolve right now. <laughs> no, no, I don't profess to solve that particular problem. Um, so I guess the question is, did they copy from each other, and is that a problem? Um, so my argument would be there is definitely. It, it becomes pretty apparent when you read the Gospels, particularly Matthew, Mark and Luke, that they, they have some shared material, at least. So whether they copied from each other or whether there was earlier documentation that was around that they used as source material, I think it's actually very hard to know. I think it's a bit of a fool's game, personally, that it's actually very, very hard to gauge. Um, and actually, at the start of Luke's Gospel, he, he implies that as part of his research to write about the life of Jesus, he is aware of other documents circulating. So I think, like, whether they copied from each other or not, they definitely seem to use source material that's similar. However, I don't think you can have it both ways. You, you can't on one hand say they were just copying each other, and then on the other hand say, oh, but they violently disagree. Yeah. You can't have those both together. You, ha you have to account for both factors, that there's similarities and differences. My suggestion would be they use similar source material and cut their material according to the narrative they were trying to show. Um, but yeah. we'll, we'll maybe come on to that in a second. Yeah. But I think this question of whether they copied each other, they, they may have done, but if they've got differences, you can't have that, you can't have your argument go both ways. You can't moan that they differ and then say, oh, but they just copied each other. Yeah, I think that's a, a valid point there, isn't it? And and I suppose that begs then the question, doesn't it? Is that, well, why are there differences if there were good and numerous sources that, for example, Luke could, could turn to and, and talk about? You know, why is it? That, that's what we need to... I mean, uh, yeah, and just to build on that, if you if you could, you could have a view that the Gospels were just written to prove to people that Jesus was this person and that they're very sort of evangelistic documents and they're, they're trying to convince you of their cause. And therefore, well, what you could say is, well, maybe a later writer would copy bits from an earlier document. But if he was doing that, why would they then change bits? Because presumably that would like give you less credibility if you're starting yeah. to change things that they've done. But they, they seem very comfortable with having a different view on certain things. And that bit... I think it's really important that actually my argument would be that the differences in the Gospels are actually part of their credibility, that they don't feel the need to smash it all together and be consist exactly consistent. They okay. very, very comfortably will have slightly different cuts of how things happen or what, whatever. And we'll mm. see that in a second. Okay, so let, let's let's go into sort of some more of these differences then to try and work out, diagnose, you know, why they are there. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, broad similarity, which we've established, um, but nonetheless, lots of differences, like you've said, and at a different scale. But so you've already talked about the, the start, where they start. Uh, I mean, there's, there's birth narratives, aren't there? Um, it, so 
So, for example, Mark, there is no birth narrative at all. Um, Matthew's got the got the wise men coming um, to, to see babe, to see Jesus. Uh, Luke's got the shepherds, uh, and then John is is just totally different. In the beginning, yeah. it's the word, and the word is with God, etc. Uh, so, some sort of philosophical, you know, really really profound um, few verses there. So, so, you know, that's extremely different. Um, Very much so. Especially, you know, putting material in Matthew and then Luke alongside each other. I think that, that shows a huge, huge difference. And then, uh, again, going to the end, we've, we've got, you know, the number of people at the tomb, uh, the women at the tomb. were. So this is the tomb of Jesus when he was supposedly resurrected. So how many women went there? Were there angels in the tomb or not? Were, who did Jesus first appear to? Where were they in Jerusalem and Galilee? And, you know, all these different things. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, there's quite a few different, different things that are different. Uh, yeah. and fairly fundamental so let's just let's just try and categorize them i suppose is have you got any way of doing that yeah for sure well i think i think i think perhaps the way i find it most useful to think about the gospels is that once you have accepted that they are individual books which i think is a really really important part much like any other book they have a narrative to tell themselves so each gospel has a purpose and i think sometimes what we can get in danger of doing is we we because of probably of our western mindset we kind of almost want to bring them all together into a big kind of super gospel and get them all to kind of join up and then and then make paint this kind of mega gospel that tells us everything but they were written as individual documents and we should take them on that account i think once we start to do that it's a very helpful step in understanding what they're doing so you mentioned for example the fact that there's different birth narratives and the example that they're different cuts at the resurrection as to exactly what seems to happen at different points so i think it's very hard to answer kind of why a specific gospel just as that thing without thinking about how that particular document works in toto if you will and i think it would be the same let, let me give you another analogy let's say there was a book written about churchill and it starts his life it starts the narrative about churchill when he becomes prime minister just before the war and it carries on it largely details that it would become fairly apparent to me that the purpose of that biography was to really focus on his political leadership if you like yeah there might be another narrative which is written about churchill which really majors on the relationship he had with his dad which people say was really formative um in his younger years and the the kind of the early life of churchill um and as soon as you kind of tap into what that biography is trying to do, you've got a handle on why it might be recording certain incidents. I think it's no different with the Gospels. I'm not trying to compare Jesus and Churchill, but you see what I'm saying. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so, so Churchill is a you know complex, rounded character, as indeed every single person is. Yeah. And, and yeah, so he would have had a, a political face, a political drive, but he also would have had a you know a different life backstory as well exactly that. which is another facet of his person that's that's basically what you're saying isn't it Pre precisely um, that yeah and i think then so take uh, mark which is probably the gospel i have um i've probably spent the most time with okay and that gospel doesn't mention anything about his birth yeah and it's quite interesting and it ends in a really strange way at the end of yeah. the gospel of mark yeah so Again, once, what that I think starts to get you doing is to start tapping to what is the Gospel of Mark trying to show. And when you read Mark's Gospel, for example, early on in the Gospel of Mark, it uses one word really often. And it's the word that would be translated into English something like immediately or quickly or straight away. And you get the impression that actually the Gospel of Mark is almost racing to get you to the point where something big's going to happen. And then the narrative really slows down. And that's actually a period in the middle of Jesus's ministry where he's talking to his disciples about what he's going to go through and what discipleship looks like or following him means. Okay. And then it slows down even more in the last week. But you, you get, it's like if you imagined on a graph the pace of the narrative, it sort of starts off at like 
lightning speed. It doesn't seem to have any need to talk about anything, any of the backstory. It's straight into, now Jesus started his ministry and this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. And then you breathe for a bit and you think, where are we? And it's like got you right into the action. Maybe in a similar way to the church example, it just starts with his life as prime minister in the war. Like big events are, are major, John. And so I think in the particular context of Mark, the birth um, story of Jesus, Mark didn't, I would argue, didn't choose to include that because it wasn't relevant to the narrative he was talking about. That's not to say Jesus wasn't born because clearly he was. Yeah. But that bit wasn't perceived as being important in the force of the narrative that Mark is getting at. Um, in this case, I think it's all about the identity of Jesus as it happens. But mm. so that I think once we can start to tap into the vein of what the purpose of the documents are, about which bits are included or not included, starts to make more sense, I would argue. Um, and purpose, the purpose of the gospel is very useful to understand the selection of the events. Um, does that make sense so far? Yeah, and then I might talk about historicity in a second. Yeah, yeah, that, that does make sense. And, and I'm sort of thinking about Matthew as you talk through that, because Matthew's the gospel probably that I've spent most time in, but yeah. more, more than the others. And and it's it's different from Mark in, in a big way, isn't it? So you've got the, you know, you've got a big genealogy right at the start, uh, yeah. the, the book of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And it's all about who the person is, where he's come from, and his fulfilment of these Old Testament scriptures that the people knew about and were were waiting for. Um, and it's and and that's that's what he what he then goes to show. And you know, he, he things in Matthew's gospel right at the start seem to echo the life of Moses, so the Old yeah. Testament prophet. It, um, so you've you've got a huge sort of Old Testament root to the, yeah. the gospel of, of Matthew. Um, at, so much so that it, you know it's structured around five collections of Jesus' sayings, um, with five sort of discourses. Um, and you know, did he say all those things in one go it, it, throughout his life? Life and never say anything else any other time. You know, actually, no, probably um, you get bit, bits of his sayings in, in in other parts of Luke and scattered around. But what Matthew's trying to show something, isn't he? I, I think that's what he's doing. And I think that's fair. And I think actually, with the with the birth narratives, that understanding of Matthew, which I think is completely right. Matthew has a big thing about how Jesus is like Israel of old, like the son, like Israel was described as being God's son. Yeah. And they go through these set of experiences that ultimately they fail. And I think what yeah. Matthew is doing is saying, actually, this individual Jesus, where Israel failed, Jesus has succeeded in following God faithfully. Yeah. And it's a really pointed message to, I think, the largely non maybe Jewish, non-Jewish readers, that this sort of nation of Israel as, as it was, they couldn't sort of just put their trust in this kind of national identity. They had to follow God and love God just like Jesus did. And in that context, the fact that Jesus is then in Matthew, shown to be in Egypt and coming out of Egypt, is exactly what happened at the start of Israel. That completely makes sense why Matthew would include that. Does it? Is it as, is it as relevant in Mark when his narrative is about something else? No, it's not. So it's not included. Yeah. Does that mean that, that they're, they're called wildly divergent? No, it's, it's about selection. And I think that yeah. that purpose point really starts to help understand. That's not to say everything can be explained away through that. There are still yeah. some tensions, but it does help give you a framework to understand in which these these differences exist. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I guess, yeah, it, it starts bringing the question about, well, have they just, you know, inserted different things like, oh, we want him to go to Egypt now so he can be, be like Israel or be like Moses or or whatever and and then so that then becomes a question we've got to think about so you said about moving on to sort of historicity and this leads straight on to that actually i think um yeah and maybe maybe we just define historicity i use that as poor word basically that i guess the word i think means like the the extent to which a document is broadly historically true is that fair is that that's how i use it yeah 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 okay yeah so, and and i think maybe maybe we use the example of the kind of 
the, the tomb incidents as an example of this that okay, yeah. I mentioned that at the start. So if you if you have a Bible, if you looked at the end of say Matthew, you would find it describes after Jesus was said to be in a yeah, after he died, he's then placed in a tomb with that man Joseph Arimathea I mentioned uh, earlier. And in Matthew, for example, we're told uh, chapter twenty eight verse one after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. Okay? So that's okay. one record. Um, in in Mark chapter sixteen verse one, when Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices. So you've now got three women. In Luke, I think you have so look Luke chapter twenty four. And these are all incidents, they're describing the same incidents. This is different to what we were talking about earlier about the birth narratives. This is, they are recording what they, what we perceive to be exactly the same thing. Um, in Luke chapter 24, I don't know if it tells us exactly how many women there are. It just says they. So I don't know that we know exactly how many women there are. Sorry, verse, um, verse 10, Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and also the other women with them. So you've now got more women. And then you go to John and you think, well, am I going to get 15 women here? And you've just got one again. At this time, it's just Mary. So um, John chapter 20, verse one. Now on the first day of the week came Mary Magdalene, came early to the two. So on that level, we've now got lots of, di- this, the same incident is being recorded and a different amount of women are recorded each time. Is that fair? I think that's a fair reading of what those verses seem to say. Yeah, I don't think any one of them agree on the number of women. Exactly. Yeah. So on one level, what I think it would be a real push to say is because they don't get don't agree on the number of women. Therefore, the event just simply didn't happen. Mm -hmm. That would be a real that would be pushing the evidence far too far one way. I think in actual fact, what it would probably say is actually very good evidence that definitely some women turned up at a tomb in the life of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Exactly how many? I think we then have to be careful about exactly what's going on. And and again, going back to this point around purpose, I think that there's probably reasons in why each gospel uses the women in the way it does. Now, that's not to say that we can kind of just explain that all away. But there is examples in the text that imply that, that maybe it's not just those women that are there. So while we're in John, John chapter uh, 20, it just talks about Mary being there. Mm -hmm. And then in verse two, it reads as if it's just her. So she ran away, ran and came to Simon Peter, the other disciple whom Jesus loved. This is John 20 verse two and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Mm. So in the record, you're saying like, uh, I thought she was on her own. But then she says, we, what's going on there? And in, my suggestion would be, and I think this happens, my, uh, a scholar called Michael Lycone has done some interesting work about how the, these kind of tools were used at mm. the time. I think what's going on is that there's almost like a spotlight that's been placed onto Mary for some reason that I, I actually haven't got quite to the bottom of, but I think there's a theme around Mary Magdalene in the back end of John. And it's just focusing on her experience with the risen Jesus. Mm. And that's all that's important. Now, does that mean... There weren't other women there. Well, uh, they, they clearly were because she alludes to it. But does John feel the need to tell us exactly who those women were? He doesn't. And so in that context, I think you can probably, if you spend enough time, you'd probably be able to understand why they're all using different women and how they're being used. Mm. Does it prove that Jesus didn't raise that? Not at all. Do we know exactly how many women were there? Probably not. But we've probably got a pretty good guide if we work our way through. Mm. But the purpose of those Gospels is really helpful to understand what's going on with why people record it. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, it does, definitely. Um, and, and doesn't um, Mike Lacona, he, he, in his work that he's done on this, he, he refers to the, the Plutarch's lives, which... That's it. Yeah, and... Uh, and how that even the same author in writing different lives, concentrating on the, the Roman Republic and how uh, he, he, the characters interact. He, and he basically observes the same sort of phenomenon going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think I think I think the word he uses is telescoping, which is quite a nice visual picture that almost in 
in certain narratives, the writer of this particular gospel gets his telescope out and just focuses on one character. Yeah. And, and I think actually in many novels and things, uh, I'm not the right person to say this, but you use this as like a narrative tool to draw out certain characters and, and make the audience more relate to them and that kind of thing. So I don't think it's um, A, odd, and certainly wasn't uncommon in the era in which it was yeah. written. Um, and, and once you realise that, you kind of think, well, actually, that does seem a very normal thing to do. Yeah. And actually, does that does it disprove anything? Does Do you think suddenly, oh, they're all talking nonsense? No, it just means they're telling you slightly different things, slightly different angles, for different mm. reasons. And what's the point? Some women were at, at the tomb with Jesus. Like That's the key thing that you get from all of them. But each gospel will have a reason for focusing on them in different ways. Yeah, yeah. And, and once you think about all, all this, you realise that history is never objective in, in entirely is it um we no, like to not, think no. that we, we are all the time um and you know we've got some you know modern methodology when we talk about history you know in a way that's different from from ancient times but even so we, we all will write about history with a certain amount of, of, of bias and sort of course. what we're trying to, to interpret and show uh, with, with the evidence that we're showing so yeah it, it's, it's totally normal actually isn't it um and, and actually quite quite reasonable yeah if you think about what you're trying to do that, that what and and the gospel writers let's make it clear they never claim to be like independent like academic historians they're completely invested in the yeah. Jesus movement they want to convince you that jesus is the messiah yeah so and in, if in they fact, like, John, later on in that chapter exactly he says i want you to believe that jesus is the son of god yeah. And so they could have just copied each other and made sure it all aligned. And then in a way, for some people, that would have been easy to believe. They choose not to do that because they're very comfortable with it. They think this is a, a helpful way of us understanding yeah. more about God. Yeah, yeah. And just sort of a little bit uh, longer on this sort of avenue, the fact that there are these sorts of differences like number of women at the tomb or uh, slightly different wording of what Jesus said on the cross or, you know, things like that. Is that also or could it also reflect um, different sources that you know the way that the, the oral tradition of the things that jesus said and did has has come down um is that is that fair i, th I think that's entirely valid and yeah and i think that's that's exactly how you would expect history to be written as well now as christians different people have different models as to how these these documents are written so do historians but as soon as you account for the fact that there's probably clearly some source material on on view and whether it's passed down i mean in early church history there's a there's a view that peter was a key person who gave some information to mark whether that's true or not i guess it highlights that there's different people involved in passing on these these narratives about jesus mm. and different people have slightly different memories and way of recording things that so that of course that seems like a very valid way to help understand whether these these are uh, sort of different perspectives on yeah. there as well as well yeah. as the ultimate compilations yeah yeah so so you've got two two prongs haven't you you've got the fact that you know some to some extent there's there's different sources um and then also you've got the different purpose um that they're, they're both they're both writing so yeah and, and i guess for those people who are listening who are christians they will also have a belief in uh, the inspiration of scripture and how god works with writers many different people have different views of that god seems very comfortable as it's he kind of clearly says at the start of luke that yeah. they use these sources exactly how that happened i wouldn't profess to know but i think we have got these two different avenues like you say that clearly account for these different perspectives and that's that's helpful yeah definitely yeah and uh, yeah and through these uh, i suppose if you're latching on to the purpose of each gospel you're therefore then latching on to if you have a conviction that this is an inspired word of god then you you're, you're getting towards what god's has actually inspired you know precisely the, the precisely purpose that. of these words and, and the purpose of the, of the message of these narratives so, so yeah you're actually getting closer to it aren't you so i think so i think so
yeah okay so let's just think where, where we've we've got to we we've got um these four gospels uh we've seen that they have a lot in common uh you, you sort of listed out a, a load of different things didn't you that, that uh talked about how you know his what he was referred to his title and the broad outline of, of his life um yeah. so, so that's that's really helpful we've come across some differences lots of different types of differences but we've seen that actually there's pretty good evidence for, for her historicity when you think about it in, in, in one sense uh, on top of that there's the fact that each gospel writer isn't there just to tell you everything that happened they've got different purposes and we should therefore expect expect these gospels to be different um and i think if once we've got on to the fact that there are uh, different reasons for writing i suppose we've got a step towards answering that initial question haven't we um the, the original question why are there four gospels yeah i, I guess we're, we're not we're not an, actually fully answering that i mean that that would take a take a long time wouldn't it to really drill down into why each gospel is presenting a certain facet of jesus in a certain way but that's that's would you say that's basically the I think, I think that's a very fair summary and, and perhaps we should do why are there specifically four on a separate podcast because I think that one is what, what we've basically said is yeah. there's good reasons to think that why there would be a, mo- a, a number of them we haven't explained yeah. why there's four um and actually I don't know that I know the answer but I've got a few ideas but maybe yeah we'll that yeah yeah we, we, could, we could we could do that and I suppose another avenue as well is um why aren't there 10 um because why aren't there the later examples that that didn't end up as sort of authoritative why aren't they there as well that's that's a whole whole other yeah. question isn't it um but yeah okay so we've got all of those things um let's just i just want to um think about something a bit more specific because um you know the number of women at the tomb yes okay we're telescoping on an, an individual that seems fine but then there are things that are still quite surprising to me as a, a modern reader and I, I guess to, to many other modern readers so for example yep. we've got the the account of jesus going into the temple not liking what he sees and clearing it out uh, he's getting rid of all the money changers and all the people selling all the, the animals for sacrifices and so on and you get that in, in matthew chapter 21 yep. mark 11 luke 19 and it's in the final week before his, his crucifixion but in john you get the set well the same uh, story but it's in john chapter 2 right yes. at the start yeah of his ministry and he goes in clearing out the temple so you know is, is that taking it a step too far what do we then are we should we be cautious about john or should you know what what do we make of, of these sorts of things and that is a a very valid question what i'll probably do here is i'll, I'll kind of um, i'll try and make the problem worse before i try and suggest what i think might be going on if that's okay uh so um take the example of jesus clearing out the temple um actually when you look at the way that that incident is recorded between matthew and mark who to your point dan actually both record it broadly at the same period in the last week of his uh well the week prior to when he died um what you actually find is that matthew and mark kind of record that incident in slightly different order themselves okay, right, okay. so okay. we we might think, oh, well, it's all the same, but it's not. When you look in the details, you've got the order of events of what happens. So in Mark's gospel, which we think is probably the first one to written, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. He then curses a fig tree. And then he goes in to this temple and kind of clears out the, the people who are doing banking and stuff and, and, and using extortion. Then he discusses the, the fig tree incident again. And then there's a conversation. In Matthew's incident, the fig tree incident and Jesus in the temple are flipped round. Okay? So uh, you might say, oh, it's easy, John 
because you've got Matthew, Mark and Luke the same and it's John that's the problem. But actually, I would say, well, even when you look at just Matthew and Mark, there's a tension there. Yeah. So I, I, I think, uh, so I've made the problem worse. Uh, my suggestion would be that I think sometimes when we come to these questions, we come with a very Western perception that we need to have uh, uh, events ordered in a chronological order that mm-hmm. even in modern history we don't always conform to so um, for example I've got behind me David Cameron's autobiography in there he also groups things into themes where he talks about maybe his relationship with China over time and he buckets them together so my suggestion would be that I think the gospels are quite comfortable moving events around in time you see it in the in the micro in that instance between Mark and Matthew in terms of when things happen but I think you probably do also see it in the macro. And you actually alluded to this earlier, Dan, when you were talking about Matthew's gospel. Yeah. Matthew 8 and 9, there's a series of events and miracles that actually, I think, probably historically are drawn from all different parts of his ministry. And if you look in Luke and Mark and find the parallel records, they're all dotted around and they're collated. So my suggestion would be, and again, it doesn't explain all of the differences, and I don't ever profess to do so, mm-hmm. but the gospel seem more comfortable than we might we might be, intuitively, moving events around in different orders, probably for thematic reasons, back to our point around purpose. So I am comfortable that one suggestion could be that actually John has relocated that incident at the yeah. start of his uh, his book. Uh, it could, of course, many Jesus did that twice. I think that's probably unlikely historically, mm. personally, but that is a possibility. Um, and I think as soon as you account for the fact that you have got slightly like different orders of events, you're of necessity accepting that the gospels don't write in exactly the same chronological order. As soon as you've accepted that and that they're comfortable doing so, you, you've got to buy dint of that expect except that they might do it with slightly larger events as well. Mm. I suppose uh, thoughts on that? I suppose it's a case of expectations, isn't it? So if you come into these these uh, narratives expecting them to give you this sort of almost old hard description of things that happened, yeah. then uh, you, you, you're going to struggle because you're going to find actually that they seemingly don't and therefore you've, you've got a choice in front of you. Do you actually do, do we throw them away because they're not actually doing what i expect them to do but actually what what you're trying to say and and i, I value as well is that we should change our expectations because we've already seen that these are gospels that these are narratives that have purpose they've got yeah. something that they're trying to tell you about this person jesus um each of them uh, broadly or broadly the same you know that they're trying to tell you about this special person um yeah and that is good news and that he's ushering in a kingdom and you know there's there's broad things but they're telling you these things slightly differently with different facets and different perspectives and whether you should follow them and yeah so once you've done that then actually yeah it doesn't matter they're not trying to tell you chronologically how things happened that's i think that's exactly right and i think actually if that you can you can analyze that from two different ways one is if if you look to other documents at the time biographies that were written at the time which are, are sometimes called by kind of um more than people than i but like bios like uh, greco-roman biographies they do exactly the same kind of things yeah so in that context it wasn't unsurprising i'd actually argue that the hebrew scriptures do the same things at different points in time mm-hmm. if you compare chronicles and kings so it like in the historical situ in which they were written it's actually quite normal we're just looking at it from a much different vantage point and sometimes again i think even in mo- in the modern era biographies and things would be written like that so yeah it sometimes feels that when this question is framed particularly from a very negative slant we almost expect more of these four gospels from the first century than we do of either contemporary records today mm. or contemporary records then or the kind of ideological like 
um, context of the Old Testament. That's a that's a massively unfair burden to bring to the to a particular document, mm. um, which is I think we just alluded yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, not what it claims to be as well. So, exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. Just on uh, your, your Matthew eight and nine that you you pulled out, um, that just made me think of um, perhaps the reason why those things are pulled together is I think each of those healing and miracles that grouped together there it, it's really about whether jesus has authority um and whether he's got authority to forgive sins whether he's got authority to claim that you know the kingdom is at hand and all these sorts of things and it's right off the back of the first discourse in matthew which ends with the people one wondering at these this teacher who spoke as if he had authority not like the scribes and that's exactly what matthew says so so then you get a collection of stories that demonstrate that yeah he does have authority to say these Absolutely things right. then you know and then there's another block of sayings and then another block of um you know yeah and ju tie in. just on that in matthew 8 and 9 it seems to me at least that when you compare the incident there with mark and luke on some occasions Ma matthew chooses not to give people a name and their names are really important in the other gospels so jairus is specifically told jairus by name and i can't remember the other one uh, legion maybe by name yeah. In Matthew, they're kind of anonymized. And you're like, why would he do that? But in that context, it makes a lot of sense. They've pulled Matthew's pulled these events together to prove that Jesus has authority over anyone who's got sickness and disease. Yeah. So actually, it's better not to give them the name to illustrate they're just kind of representative members of yeah. the human race who Jesus yeah. can heal. That's an amazing thing to see when you see it. Does that mean that kind of Matthew got it wrong or like he he, he misquoted Mark? Well, maybe, but it's a much richer view of how an ancient author yeah. would work. And, and it tells you something about the life of Jesus, that he's there to heal them. He could heal them. And in so doing, it tells us stuff about how he can relate to all of us, whatever our background and situation is. It's much more powerful yeah. as well. Yeah. And that it's worth listening to his teaching in the Sermon exactly. Mount because he's got authority to say it, which is, yeah, exactly. which is the heart of, of Matthew's gospel. So, yeah. OK, yeah, we, we could we could probably go on and on. But uh, I, I feel like we've got to a point where we, we've we've sort of I don't know sketched out quite a few reasons why there might be differences and yeah. reasons why we should expect there to be differences and not not feel threatened or, or worried by that but actually uh, you know be be comfortable by it and and to be to some extent to embrace it and to search for the reason why which then really gets onto why are the four gospels what are the, what is each individual purpose and and what is that trying to to tell us um so I, I think we you know i think we've 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 got there um what, what do you reckon is there anything else you no i think your last point is actually very good i think sometimes particularly if we've been brought up in a christian environment and we might have on, on the bookshelf a harmony of the gospels the natural desire is to kind of weave them together and i think that's really like, it's fine of course if we want to do that it's cool but it's 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 missing so much and that that if god like let's accept that there's a god and he, he wrote uh, how write this book called the bible through various people if he'd wanted one massive super gospel he could have written that he hasn't he's written four and actually that's much more powerful i think for us from a from a personal point of view to try and engage with them so i, I would certainly encourage anyone listening to inve investigate the gospels of course together but particularly looking at their theme themselves and it's it's mm. much more rewarding I think. yeah excellent okay well thank you very much john no thanks it's been a good conversation i i've I always feel with these sorts of conversations that there's lots of different avenues to go off and explore, maybe for subsequent subsequent episodes. And it would be really good to, good to talk about more and more of, the, of these things. But thank you very much. And thank you, everyone, uh, listening. It's been uh, been really quite uh, quite an exciting conversation. And uh, like, like I said right at the start, if you have any questions or topics that you want us to think about, well, 
you know get in touch uh, because actually we, we love to, to hear that and we there's a all good good chance that we'll uh, we'll deal with them and we'll, we'll think about those things and 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 talk about these these bible topics because they it's always great fun and it's good to do it in community so so if you, if you have any comments or any thoughts on this get in touch you can go to biblefeed.org and you can get in touch there so uh, thank you everyone and uh, see you next time cheerio you've been listening to the bible feed podcast thanks for joining us we're always keen to hear what you think and hear your questions on subjects you'd like us to discuss. Get in touch with us on our Facebook page or send us a message from our webpage at biblefeed.org and be part of the journey.